Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome. This is your Friday night call. I'm here with you on the East Coast. It is 6.56 p.m. And we're closing out another busy big week. Another busy big week over here in New York. But you know what? It's a busy big week in the, quite frankly, uh, universe. Wherever you are, if you're following along, if you're living the same timeline we are, then we're having the same big week together. Isn't that exciting? Well, I'm going to have a mix of things for you tonight. We're going to go all over the place. All We're going to cover the emotional gamut. Um, we're going to do a little bit of uh, grab bagging over here Then I have... Uh, Matt and I, Matt's over here. What's going on, Matt? It's good to have you. Hello, Francis. How are you feeling? I'm all right. Is the, has the weather been uh, acceptable toward you? Yeah. Good. Does it make for good working conditions? Did you, did you enjoy work? I mean, when it's warm out, yeah. Good. Good. We, I, I feel like you were about to get into a, a zone where, um, where uh, we're, we're starting to mellow out a little bit. Once we get to that, that peak of July, I mean, August can still have some bastard days, but I think right now we're getting into, I, I just feel something breaking a little bit. Maybe it's just temporary, who knows, but um, I like a hot sun, but I, I like the, that the humidity has kind of abated over the last couple of days. The beginning of the week was wet, wet as hell. Wasn't, yeah. It wasn't necessarily raining, but it was just wet, and now it's kind of dried out. I like that. Yeah, I like it dry. Yeah. I don't like things wet. So let's go to uh, talk about this evening's podcast. Well, it's not a podcast. This this evening's show. Um, we have Shane Cashman coming on at the bottom of the hour. He's just going to be doing a little bit of a crash course on the Long Island serial killer. That whole scenario. Cropsy. Uh, no, no, no. The one, the the bodies that were getting stacked in like 2010, 11. You remember that? You heard that this guy that was just uh, this was just he was just arrested about a week ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it, it it's it's that. I want to know just the the bare bones where we are now. What are the biggest glaring unanswered questions and theories? And uh, and then we'll hopefully be up to date and we'll be able to upgrade our understanding as the weeks go on. So he'll be on with us with for a short segment in the first hour and the second half. I don't know, Matt. We've got things that we can take calls. We can watch a little bit of Anthony Weiner melting down on Patrick Bet David's show. I saw that. That I, was great. I, I'm ready to play With the uh, Clinton questions. Yeah, the Clinton list. And how he just went to one guy that, oh, he was in an airplane crash. All right. Yeah. How about the other 200 and how how much is it? Wait, wait well, why, why is an airplane crash suddenly un, unsuspicious, like not suspicious, not worthy of suspicion? So, I mean, there, there's a lot there. I'm, I'm willing to play the, the whole 10 minutes of that little thing. Then I have a really great thread, uh, history. It's Friday night. I have a, hist- a history thread from the Cultural Tutor on Twitter, one of my favorite uh, accounts over there. And we're going to be talking about the official distance of a marathon. Why the official distance of a marathon is 26.2189 miles. Why is it so specific? So I thought that would be a nice way to end and um, and a couple other uh, roundup thoughts before we depart for the weekend. So um, so yeah, let's get this one let's get this one rolling. I think I have boom. Here we go. All right. So thank you to my sponsors. I would love to thank my sponsors, BlueMonsterPrep.com. Um, over the weekend, give Pat and Gina a call. Let them know that hey, 
I have some stuff set aside. I have some canned goods. I have this and that. But, you know, I see what the world is doing, and I see that um, the lesson I'm being taught every day is I don't know what the next day is going to bring. And, um, and, as, and as secure as I think my situation is, suddenly there's a forest fire. Suddenly there's a train deal derailment. Suddenly there's a uh, super volcano in a, in a national park next to me that goes off. What the hell are we all, I mean, just, just think about the things that we don't, that's not on our radar. Go to bluemonsterprep.com and at least get all of your bigger questions checked off. Do I have enough food in the house for everybody for enough, at least three months of a layover? Do I have water filtration? Do I have communication? Everything else, first aid, uh, power generation, it's all there and it's, uh, it's set up by a family of Franklies. That is what Pat and Gina are, a family of Franklies. They are one of you, so give them a call. Other than that, I want to thank the longest, biggest, and most important sponsors of, of my professional career here, and that is you in the audience. The people, the little the little contributions every month, $1 a month, $5 a month, 10 Some people uh, uh, pledge more, some some less but it's the it's the 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 people out there who are monthly subscribers that really have allowed me to grow this show into a nightly two-hour show that it has all this uh, these affiliated projects building up around it now. It used to be a nightly one-hour show. I used to have to juggle it uh, with my personal training uh, schedule and everything else. And it's really you guys in the audience, and not you know compared to the the, the whole audience, we're talking maybe two three percent. Thank you guys and gals so much, and I and I invite many more of you over the weekend to become a sponsor for a little bit because a little goes a long way and this is just the nature of new media this is the new paradigm we are in and i really hope that uh you put your money where your mouth is and if you enjoy what i bring to the table every night then i'm going to continue kicking my own ass to do every night then invest in it that's what i ask of you as humbly as i can because you know it's very hard for me to plug the show in that way but I, I have to do it from time to time because it's my job so thank you guys and gals so much and for the many of you who have yet to show up but will one day I love you all all right into the grab bag Matt and I go Matt take a listen to this headline right now Yahoo jury awards a Florida girl burned by McDonald's chicken McNugget $800,000 in damages I thought like that's not a thing anymore because uh, that lady that sued uh, for the coffee. Oh, but you know what they had to do? They had to put a warning label on the coffee that it was too hot. Now they're going to have to do that with, uh, with the McNuggets. Now. I don't know about you, but I've never had a hot chicken McNugget in my life. Me neither. But, I mean, they're awarding money to anyone now that's a victim of... A South, made up things. A South Florida jury awarded $800,000 in damages to a little girl who received second degree burn. I mean, listen, second degree, degree burns are pretty significant. I mean, so whatever the hell was going on with this this nugget, it was hot. Yeah, damn. Um, maybe, uh, maybe it was just drenched in oil still. Could be. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Second degree burns when a hot chicken nugget fell on her leg. As her mother pulled away from the drive-thru of a McDonald's restaurant. Well, you know what? They came right uh, off the yeah, burner. Yeah. They came right off the burner. You just let it, give it a couple of minutes, you know? I could see that, especially if it's, you know, a fair-skinned child. 
lawyers for the family of Olivia Caraballo, who was four when she was burned in 2019, were seeking $15 million in damages. Of course, might as well just aim for the moon. If you miss it, you'll land among the stars. Jurors reached their verdict after deliberating for less than two hours on Wednesday. The South Florida Sun Sentinel reported the jury verdict from a lot, uh, form allotted 400,000 in damages for the past four years and another 400,000 damages uh, for the future from the McDonald's USA and its franchise <coughs> operator, Upchurch Foods. A separate jury decided in May that the company and the franchise owner were liable for the injury, which occurred outside of a McDonald's in the Tamarack in Tamarack near Fort Lauderdale. Mm. Quote, I'm actually just happy that they listened to Olivia's voice and the jury was able to decide a fair judgment, Olivia's mother, uh, Philana Holmes, told reporters outside of the courtroom. I'm happy with that. I'm honestly, I had no expectations, so this is more than fair for me. $15 million? You had no expectations? You were asking for $15 million. First of all, what kind of mother brings a four-year-old to get McDonald's? Well, I mean, that's besides the point. I mean, I don't know anybody who hasn't had... Even even uh, Aurora has well, tasted McDonald's fries. She's not, she doesn't well, she doesn't like chicken right now. I mean, right this now. mother sounds like she's the type that goes there every day. Well, I could just tell by the way she's saying these things and, and you know... $800,000? I don't think that they're, they're going to be eating at McDonald's uh, a lot, or at least over the next couple of years. Now, if they're smart, they put a little bit of that aside. I don't know for what. I mean, obviously, this this girl is probably going to be put through college and do the whole college thing. If she weren't going to college, she can save all that nearly $1 million, invest it, do some fun stuff with it, but they'll probably eat it all. She's going to McDonald's. Uh, she's still asked to go to McDonald's. She's driving through the drive-thru with her mom, getting chicken nuggets, defense attorney Jennifer Miller said in her closing arguments on Wednesday. She's not bothered by the injury. This is all the mom. Defense attorneys declined to speak after the verdict. Holmes testified that she had purchased Happy Meals for her son and daughter who were sitting in the back seat and was driving away when the nugget fell on the child's leg. She said that the girl screamed in pain, and when she pulled over in the parking lot, she realized the nugget was lodged between Olivia's thigh and the seat belt. The mother testified that no point, at no point did McDonald's warn her that the food might be unusually hot. The company testified that they follow food safety rules which require McNuggets to be hot enough to avoid salmonella poisoning, and that is what happens with food once it leaves the drive through window. It's beyond their control. I, I need to launch an investigation into this because there's been cases of uh, parents faking this these type of things. Photos. Um, the girl, she could have got burned at home, and then the mom, you know, she could have sued other food companies before for other things and just, you know, said, oh, oh you got burned by chicken nugget. Well, then that would be used by the defense. That would definitely have been used by the defense. It would be easy to, to look into her background to see if she is one of those. Uh, I, I can tell that she is just by everything she's saying. <laughs> the case may stoke memories of the McDonald's coffee lawsuit of the 1990s, which became an urban legend of sorts about seemingly frivolous lawsuits, even though a jury and judge had found it anything but frivolous. The New Mexico jury awarded Stella. Stella! Stella Liebeck, 81 years old, $2.7 million in punitive damages after she was scalded in 1992 by hot coffee from McDonald's. Everybody went to McDonald's and poured the coffee on themselves after that. Everybody did it. I don't have legs. 
<laughs> what? I burned the legs off my body because I thought I was going to be a millionaire. Now look at me. Lieutenant Dan over here. New Mexico jury award. Oh, we already did that. She suffered third-degree burns and spent more than a week in the hospital. Now, third-degree burns, that's when your, your skin is just sloughing off. So I don't know. That, that is pretty severe. But, you know, everybody is trying to work themselves out. of pe- It's almost like in The Sopranos in season six when the rapper asks Bobby to, uh, to shoot him yeah. so he can have street cred and he shoots him in the ass yeah. instead. Yeah. In my ass! He shot me in my ass. He shot me in my ass. Anyway, what do you guys think about this? The, the Chicken McNugget story. You tell me and Matt when we open up the lines later on. Tony Bennett is dead. I didn't know he was sick. I thought he was, like, touring recently. Oh, I don't know. Was he sick? I thought he was still, like, doing shows and singing and, you know. I think he had uh, Alzheimer's. He had Oh, he was diagnosed with Alzheimer's in 2016. But he's 96 years old and... Yeah, so that's it. He's uh, he he's the last of a generation of entertainers, no doubt. He's the last crooner, right? Is he crooner? That's what they say. The definitely, son, de- definitely of the of the the original standard time guys, you know. Um, YouTube is pulling Sound of Freedom interviews and reviews off of their platform. That's right. YouTube appears to be removing content featuring or even merely reviewing the movie Sound of Freedom for violating community guidelines as censorship of the anti-child trafficking movie continues. And it's doing well. Over $100 million. It's still doing well, especially for how small of a production it was. It, it, it's got organic movement there. Um, now, of course, it's going to be competing with Oppenheimer and Napoleon and for however long the outrage over the, 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 the feminist Barbie nonsense goes on. But still, Sound of Freedom. Some good movies coming out this summer. I'm definitely, I, I have to see. Listen, this show, part of the show has always been movie reviews and because it's part of cultural analysis and all that stuff. I, it's something like Napoleon and Oppenheimer come out. I have to go. First of all, Oppenheimer, I have to do it because on, April, on August 2nd, I'm going to have Ryan Gable coming on to do a deep occult dive into Oppenheimer, the movie, the actual story, and all that stuff. So I need a base baseline for it. But uh, there's a couple of couple of interesting releases out right now. Indiana Jones doesn't look like it's interesting at all. I was going to go to go see Indiana Jones on June. 20, whenever the hell it was, it was a Friday night. I was going to go with George Alexopoulos. And then afterwards, we were going to come back here and maybe do a review live on the air. But um, it, it just, it never worked out. And then I just, I lost interest real quick. Because we were going into it knowing it was going to be bad. Mm-hmm. Nobody was giving it any good reviews. And for all the same reasons that every movie tanks these days, when somebody, when it, somebody else, when the, the producers think that it's going to do well, they think, oh, this is really going to, it's good. It's modern. It's a great twist for a modern audience and all that stuff. And they just don't realize that they aren't a very large contingent of the population and they're turning people off. And along the way, they almost ritualistically kill characters that really were, were sound, sound, soundly written characters in our, in our youth. Indiana Jones is a wonderful, I love, I, I will always love Indiana Jones. Um, always love Han Solo. 
Uh, they always love Luke Skywalker, but you know, uh, they've been they were ritualistically slaughtered before all of our eyes, and that's just the way that they like to uh, Punisher. You and I read about what they did to Punisher. Yeah, well, they killed them off, right? Uh, they had they had him kill himself, and, but that was that was after. His wife reveals that she wasn't dead and that she mm. was going to have a divorce anyway and that he's a bitch and all that stuff. Yeah. So this is what they think is appealing. Giving up and killing yourself is appealing, apparently. <laughs> That's how Generation Z is influenced. Uh, let's see here. Fox News whistleblowers expose company's support of far-left charities, including the Church of Satan. Ah. Fox News viewership has historically leaned right in favor of Republican causes while the... This is from The Blaze. Let's see here. While the company wears a conservative face on air, it appears that behind closed doors, Fox is willing to lean left uh, uh, on or in whatever other direction the wind is blowing. Insiders revealed to Blaze Media that Fox will subsidize some of the very activist groups that despise and seek the ruin of the network's viewers. Uh, evidencing a complete disregard and hatred for its core audience. So they were saying, let's see here. Fox apparently is matching donations of up to $1,000 to various organizations to satisfy the company's criteria. I I guess it is it, I don't know, Canadian-based donation management platform, Benevity. While on its face, it it appears to be little more than an attempt to corporate uh, beneficence the company is willing to match donations to the Satanic Temple, the Trevor Project, Planned Parenthood, and local Planned Parenthood branches, the Southern Poverty Law Center, radical leftist anthi- uh, groups. Uh, it, it's just, it, I mean, listen, I don't know. Um, I, I don't care about Fox News. I never did. I just like Tucker. So I don't, th- you know, it's the, um, it's the, the retards like Brian Krasenstein. Who go on to, to? I saw this on Twitter because you can't avoid it. Sometimes they just put you in, put you in the uh, the for you tab, and he asked conservatives oh, for real though, uh, are you against? Since Fox News is for the Satanic Temple, why are you against the Satanic Temple? It seems like they're doing fine, because because he's a, he's a he's a like I said, test tube baby, mutant retard. He has absolutely no brain, and um, so he he looks at the. The mission statement for an organization like the Satanic Temple talking about how they're all for equality and making sure everybody has a voice at the table and stuff like that. And he thinks, oh, this sounds great because he's the he's the fish that takes the bait. This is the guy that will chomp down on the hook, the fisherman's hook every damn time because he's he's an idiot. Um, But anybody who thinks that this is some sort of a that Fox is a reflection of traditional American values or conservatism, it's just, oh, I'm so glad I'm unplugged from most of it. But this is just a this is not a surprise. All right. All right, let's get this one started. Have a few other fun things to do before Shane Cashman joins us at the bottom of the hour. Be right back, ladies and gentlemen. Don't go anywhere. Are you a chicken McNugget? Yeah. You are? No. Are you a nugget? No. Are you sure? No! You let one ant stand up to us, then they all might stand up. 
Those puny little ants outnumber us a hundred to one. And if they ever figure that out, there goes our way of life. It's not about food. It's about keeping those ants in line. That's why we're going back. Does anybody else want to stay? Let's ride! I know, I know, I know. Tony Bennett died. Why are you playing Bobby Darren? Ah, because... Because it's the way that the show goes. Subverted expectations. So, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the... The Friday night... The Friday night review here on Quite Frankly. And after a brief call... Well, brief in, in relative to how long the guests usually stay on... With Shane Cashman, we are going to take some calls, and you can call in on anything. Comment on anything that you heard this week. I know that there were hundreds of you trying to get in on the phones last night when we had Reverend Bill Bean and Jason McLeod here. We talked about exorcism, demonology, and demonic possession. It was a really fantastic show. And for a non-election night, it was a marathon broadcast, too. I mean, we went for nearly three hours. I couldn't cut that off at 9 o'clock. And we could have gone for hours more because I'm sure that the outpouring from the audience would have given us more than enough to uh, riff on. But there will be other times, and I I have certainly not had my fill of the topic. So we will see what we can do in the fall and circle back around to that. All right, ladies and gents. Ladies and gents, let's do... um, Let's do something over here. Matt, take a listen to this. Here is a a person. There are two videos of sharks that came in. And people sent them to me because they said, Frank, uh, I think people have been reading into Matt's survival tips for how to defeat sharks in a shark attack situation. This first one is pretty self-explanatory. The caption reads, if wrestling is fake, then please explain this. Look look at this one. This guy has the shark right above his back here, doing a squat. Damn. He gave him an RKO. (laughs) He just slammed him. (laughs) He gave him an RKO. Let's see that again. Damn. Look at that. So that's, that's one. Now, here's another one. Someone was talking about Matt, of course, gave everybody the... The information that they needed to defeat a shark. This is one of the biggest tips you gave somebody. And you'll know exactly what I mean. Take a look. This is a surfer. A surfer who was accosted by a shark and um, and thought fast. He's definitely a frankly. Oh, quick. Oh, it's right behind him. He's got him. He's wrestling. There he is. He's, he's holding him above his head. 
salty. <laughs> you, Matt, you've saved lives. Yeah. Hey. Good. <laughs> you've saved lives. Good. I'm so happy that people have been listening to the show. Here's another one I wanted to read with you. <laughs> or not read with you. There's nothing to read. Play. This is a commercial from 1983. I grabbed, I said, this is a Friday night commercial. I've got to play it. Uh, this is a half a minute long. They are talking about a new and improved, I think this might be a diet, a diet uh, center or a diet program. It's from uh. 1983. And it is, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. unfortunately, it is called AIDS. <laughs> yeah. A-Y-D-S. And this is before, of course, AIDS. Before the, before the HIV, Magic Johnson, AIDS. Before that showed up. Can you imagine starting this company thinking this is going to be revolutionary? Yeah. We're, we're going up against Jenny Craig. I don't know if she was around Everyone's back then. Everyone's going to want AIDS. Everybody's going to want to get in on AIDS. Nope. Here, take a listen to this. I was overweight and looked terrible, but AIDS helped me lose 46 pounds. <laughs> and it really did it, too. AIDS diet plan helped me lose 28 pounds. AIDS helps control your appetite so you lose weight, yet AIDS lets you taste, chew, and enjoy. And the appetite suppressant in AIDS is not a stimulant. <laughs> it's not. AIDS helped me to lose 18 pounds, and it doesn't contain anything to make me nervous. Question, why take diet pills when you can enjoy AIDS? Oh. AIDS helps you lose weight without making you jittery. There you go. You can enjoy AIDS. Get AIDS. Well, I mean, you know, actually, we've actually gotten to that point now. Have you seen all the HIV and AIDS medications uh, on, on television? Yeah, it's a cure for AIDS. I mean, at least maybe if people do take it, maybe, you know, eventually it'll kind of maybe all die altogether. But I doubt it, you know, because men can't really control themselves like that. I Exactly. I bet that was the, the backdrop. Especially uh, in the community. One, you know what it is? You know what it is? This is why women are so important. This is why women are so important that they've got to, they've got to be as modest as they can be. And stop getting, stop taking all of the, uh, the swallowing all the feminist nonsense that, hey, listen, you're just as big as pigs as men are. Trust me. Go ahead, indulge, pig. You know? Um, because we have no control. Uh, it's a lot of the times, and if you just you dang, it doesn't matter if you have a good upbringing and all that stuff. Eventually, you dangle all that stuff in front of somebody's face; they're gonna start, they're gonna bite. But you know, if you work for it, I think that's a, a big thing. Obviously, getting raised right always helps, and you, you have a handicap in that respect. But there's a balance that is up that is totally a balance that is disrupted when you go out of your way, spend generations teaching both sexes. That they are exactly the same, they're exactly the same, and all of their and all of their appetites and all of their urges and everything. So um, there's something to that. There's something to. But let's do a couple more Babylon B headlines before we get into our call with Shane Cashman. You ready? Here we go. First headline up is mistreated, neglected dog hasn't been played with in over ten minutes. Yeah, I know. They always give you those eyes. Mm -hmm. You know, they make you feel like crap. I don't have a dog, um, and a friend of mine actually just had to put a dog of hers down today. Really? Feel bad for her. I want a dog. Yes, yes. Here's a headline: Jordan Peterson's family distracts him with cats in attempt to confiscate his phone. <laughs> headline: Statue of Liberty now holding a sign pointing to New Jersey. 
Oh, yes. Uh, th this is now uh, New York City is expressly telling migrants that are coming, that are getting trafficked in from the border, that there is no guarantee that we can find you housing or food. So it's just like we are a 2,000-mile rest stop for wherever the hell else you think you're going to go next. It's it, it really it's just like distribute. You know where they're you know where they're gonna go. I know I know I know. We're gonna have a bunch of new neighbors. At this point, I wouldn't even notice. Headline: Hero Joe Biden announces he will donate the rest of his bribe money to charity. <laughs> That's it. He's making right. He's making right in the world. Headline: Winner of one billion dollar Powerball jackpot excited to finally be able to afford an apartment in L.A. Is that how bad is it, it is over there? Here's another headline for you. Doctors encouraged by how well Biden is sleeping without a CPAP machine. <laughs> without? Wait, he fell oh, asleep. Oh, he fell asleep in a chair. Yeah, that's right. Oh, he was mumbling to himself. <laughs> I thought he was praying. I said, what the? And I barely watch this anymore. Uh, let's see. No, I don't know what that is. Headline, being against crime added to the list of things that are racist. Mm-hmm. You have been following this, this, uh, this Jason yeah, Aldean. About it. It's just a video showing riots and stuff like that, and they think, uh, oh, he's talking about BLM. Well, I looked through the, the, the lyrics real quick, <clears throat> and it's just incredible how every, every protest is actually an admission to something else. Because there's nothing about race there. There's not, it, it's, it's about what we see in, in bigger cities, we, what we see with so-called demonstrations that are never peaceful, that are always, even when you're not burning something down or throwing a brick or accosting a person in a gang-like fashion, then there's always, what are you asking for? What, is the pro, what are you demanding? What is the retribution that you're asking here? And what, what needs to, who needs to atone for what? It is always very, very aggressive. It is, uh, it is very anti-liberal, it, it is anti-American, it, it just comes down to thievery. It's just, that's it, it's, it's a political stick-up. So I, it's just incredible how you can just write a generic, pretty generic song about how in small towns, in small communities where they still have their dignity intact, what is going on in, the, uh, in, in the, these depraved pockets of big cities and thrives in those pockets would not fly it has nothing to do but of course they call it racist because i like i said in admission that we have some problems demographically i don't know um but that's another story that cannot be talked about in any kind of honest way all right and we're bringing on now this is the first time that he well he's on his side right now he's sideways Shane, why you? Uh, there uh, you go. Oh, how this is the first time you've been on the show that you haven't been sitting in the room, Shane. How the hell you doing? I know it's weird, man. I miss you. I'm good. I know. Well, that's good. That is. Well, what the hell? Hold on. You're in the wrong. You're on the wrong. You oh know, man. Oh, wait a second. It's not you. It's me this time. This is, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad it's actually. Oh, there you one are. For one now. So we're even. Let me. Matt is over here. It's What's good. Up? What's going on? What's up, Matt? How what? are you, dude? Good, man. How are you? You were here the last time, yeah. Shane. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah, we've met. Yep. So yep. since yep. you've been gone, uh, Shane, you have partied with um, Donald Trump Jr. Who else have you been uh, yes. interviewing and hanging out with? 
Yeah, I asked Don Jr. to tell his dad to release all the UFO documents. Uh, I'm waiting on that. You know, should he be elected again? Uh, I did a profile on Alex Jones. We hung out in Austin a few times. That was pretty good. Um, I don't know if the riffraff story was out yet. The rapper riffraff down in Florida. That was another one. So yeah, I've been busy, dude. Well, what about this? You know, the first time we spoke, you were, we were talking about other other pursuits that are a little bit more in the paranormal and legends and local lore uh did you hear or at least bookmark any of the news that has been made in kentucky with these millions of dollars in rare gold coins from the civil war yeah yeah there's a part of me that thinks some of that stuff could be from the 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 treasure i was looking for in georgia because one of the theories was that there were uh, kentucky militiamen who were part of the confederacy who did stay in Washington, Georgia for a little bit. And there was a mutiny when uh, a lot of the gold was supposedly taken. So it was interesting when I saw that. Uh, I, ta- I reached out to some of the people who were in that book uh, and they're, they were thinking the same thing, like maybe this guy found gold that was here at one point in Georgia. They were talking, when they first reported on this, they're saying, I think we're, they're, they're talking in terms of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And now, yeah. now as, after a couple of weeks have gone by here, they say that the value is exceeding $2 million. And because most of the, it's not even just the melt value, it's just that the, press, the, the prints are just so rare. Yeah, you know, I would advise everybody to never tell anybody if you find gold, especially not the press or the government, because like this guy's, kind of, I don't know what his situation is now, but it's probably not as good as it would be if you didn't tell anybody. I, dude, I'm right with you. I'm right there with you. I, I said the same thing. Uh, I, I think when I covered the story first, uh, I would not have told anybody about this. But at the same time, how do you go about discreetly making your discovery known and being able to enjoy any of the benefit of what you I mean, this is a major find uh, and maybe yep. you can get it into a museum's hand. Will they pay you at that point? Is there any kind of obviously you have there's the questions of who really owns it based on the land that you've been searching on it. Um, so right. it, it seems like a really sticky situation where you have all this sitting in your lap. But what do you do about it to not put your life in ten- danger or jeopardize the yep. Money that is owed to you at that point right this is the whole basic like underpinning of the book that i did in washington georgia because it's like i think a lot of people in that town did get that gold and they held on to it for a really long time and i think they funneled it into secret avenues you know throughout the decades after the war um and then you know there's people like finders keepers who they found where they thought was going to be gold in pennsylvania i think it was in dense run and then the FBI swooped in and dug it all out, and then Finders Keepers showed up the next day, and they're like, whoa, there's a hole here, and there's no gold. And I think they're in a lawsuit still with the government. I'm not sure uh, where that's at. I think it was, last I heard, it might have been in Discovery. So they're going to see, like, some documents on how they swooped in secretly and took it, because the federal government believes it's theirs, no matter what. Right. You know, the war, the war ended, the feds, the feds won, and uh, all that gold is theirs, because it's Mexican dollars, it's, uh, or Mexican gold, rather, it's Confederate money, it's federal uh, government money, and then a bunch of other, like, treasures, anonymous treasures. Here and there. Oh man! Well, you know, I that that just. Oh, where did Matt go? Matt shouldn't have popped off the screen like that. Um, <laughs> oh, anyway. Oh, so I, I'm I'm glad that we got to bring that up. It's a little bit of a bonus thing there, but I was I thought about yeah. you when I thought about when I saw that, and I said I got to ask him again. Um, now, yeah, as far crazy. as Long Island goes, I have a I have a very vague memory of this stuff going on. 
because it was around 2010, 2011. We remember when they were stacking bodies. It was mm-hmm. prostitutes, joggers, I think, and then it, it then all went silent. Ten years or so goes by. Obviously, there's a lot of work going on in the background if there is an arrest that's finally been made over here. But can you tell us the, mo- the most important points of this case that leads us right up to the DNA taken off the pizza, and then uh, we can get into some open-ended questions and the theories that have been popping up since? So I don't know if you remember the first time I did your show, you asked me, after all these crazy stories I've done, like the one in Georgia, uh, a lot of these weird stories where I've had death threats, you asked me like which story shook me the most. And my answer was the Long Island serial killer story. And like, it's weird dipping back into this world. I forgot all the paranoia that was born out of this world. Um, so basically, <laughs> going back to the beginning, it starts with Shannon Gilbert, May 1st, early, early morning before the sunrise, She's a prostitute. She is hired by a guy. I believe his name is Joseph Brewer. Some of these details are still hazy. It's been so long. But he's a John. He buys Shannon Gilbert. She shows up. Her driver's out in the car outside. This is in Gilgo Beach, the Oak Beach area, which is a uh, during the summer, a popular surfing beach area. In the winter, completely desolate. So May would be kind of busy. Something happens to Shannon in that house where she, she flees the house and calls 911, and she sounds like she has a psychotic break. I think it took them many, many years to even release that audio. I heard that. People say she was on, yeah, it's it's kind of fucked up. So she she's screaming, she's maybe on drugs, we don't really know, and then she disappears. There was maybe a little search for Shannon Gilbert. Then they kind of gave up. You know, her family, she had a mother, sisters, all very worried, even though Shannon was out on the fringes of society, you know, she wasn't really at home, but they're like worried because it's, you know, their family member. So then that's it. And then there's an officer on Gilgo Beach on December 13th, like six or seven months later. He's training his cadaver dog to look for bodies on the beach. And he found, he finds remains. And uh, he's like, oh my God, we found Shannon. So they get the cadaver uh they, they test it. It's not Shannon. It's a different person. And it's this, I think it's Melissa Bartholomew is the first victim they find, who's another prostitute who advertised on things like Backpage or Craigslist, like Shannon Gilbert did. Then there's a snowstorm. The snow covers all the, all the, the beach. They call off any more searching. A few days go by, they go back. They find like another body. They find another body. None of those are Shannon Gilbert. It's, so now we're seeing what they call the Gilgo Three, uh, Amber Costello and Megan Waterman. And then eventually they find Shannon Gilbert. And uh, so those first three they found, though, were found in burlap sacks lined up. uh, I forget how far apart, but like a good distance apart from each other on that beach. And so this is also, people should know, not unlike the part of the beach where everyone goes to chill. This is on the other side, past the Bramble by the Bay. And it's very desolate on a very long, dark road. Uh, so this is the swamp, that, that kind of swampy like that Shane is yeah. is that that kind of swampy area with all the tall grass I've been I've been seeing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you'll see. There's lots of, of like video of them searching that stuff. They had people diving for bodies. So after all that, they found I think like 11 bodies. Most of them women. Uh, one of them was a baby. One of them was a man who was dressed like a woman, and I think they also found another woman who might have been the mother of that baby. Okay, so. They don't know what the heck's going on. They're like, okay, this sounds like a serial killer. Because a lot of those women they found, they would eventually discover were uh, selling themselves online. So, and and, and uh, Shane, were they all prepared? Yeah. The bodies all prepared in the same, disposed of in the same way? All had the burlap sacks? All of them? 
I don't think we know that yet. As far as I know, we don't know that. And what I do know is that the Gilgo three were in those burlap sacks. Shannon Gilbert is not considered one of those victims. They still think she's an accidental death, even though uh, they did uh, the coroner, Michael Baden or Baden, I forgot how you say his name, but he's like a celebrity coroner. He did uh, an autopsy on her and he said that, that I forget the name of the bone, but there's a bone that snaps when you're strangled from behind. Is this the same uh, guy? Same that, thing. This is the same guy that did uh, Epstein. There you go. Same guy. Uh, he's done a lot of celebrity stuff. So I'll take it with a grain of salt with this guy because uh, he's a, some. He's done some shady things. But anyway, they don't consider her a victim for whatever reason. So, but those three other women, the first three they found were found in burlap sacks. So then years go by. Uh, let's see. <laughs> the chief of police at the time. We, we, we would later discover was hampering the FBI's investigation to cover up his own corruption. This guy, in my opinion, is evil. Um, and he's got a really interesting history, and not to psychoanalyze too much, but it's worth noting, and it's in my story when I was reporting on it. When this guy was a boy, he was in the woods and watched a bunch of other young boys murder another boy by stuffing rocks in his mouth. This is in Long Island. I mean, it's really dark stuff. So then this guy would grow up to become a cop. Before he got promoted to chief of police, he actually was caught with a prostitute in his patrol car. <laughs> right? So, and then um, uh, during the investigation, he actually beat up a, a young guy who broke into his patrol car and stole sex toys. Yep, and porn. So this guy went to, this guy, and, and porn. So this guy went to jail. A lot of people think he was the killer. I don't know. I have no idea. I think he's a bad dude, uh, and maybe, perhaps, he was uh, not only hampering the investigation to cover his own tracks, but maybe he knew it, you know, or, or knew who was who was involved. Because, uh, you know, when I started getting into this, this is now a few years after 2010, I want to say 2016, 2015 when I got into it, uh, we had John Bittrolf, who's in jail. He's a serial killer from Manorville, Long Island, very close to here. He killed two prostitutes um and this is kind of like why i got really uh into this story because how bizarre this was he mutilated a woman and left her torso in the woods in manorville uh no one found her hands for a very long time until they found all those women on gilgo beach and they found those hands like a decade or two decades later um so it, it's either so i was like wow maybe he's connected or maybe it's just like this dumping ground for these psychopaths um he, John Bitrolf has remained that he's maintained that he had nothing to do with this, um, which is, you know, a lot of times there's people in jail for a serial murder who will claim murders that weren't theirs. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that's interesting that he's saying that uh, he's a bad dude, nonetheless. So uh, so then we have 13 years of a cold case. Um, there are bodies all over Gilgo Beach. Some of them are connected to Manorville uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I get involved. I go on this like deep dive with amateur detectives as well as the authorities. Um, I spend years on this case. I uh, the one thing that I uncovered in the story that is interesting, even more interesting today, is that. So we we looked up this website. We found this website called Utopia Guide, and it's where. And I might have mentioned this on the first podcast I did with you. Utopia Guide has been around since the late '90s, and it's a lot of it's like a Yelp for hookers in Long Island in this specific area. And so it's just like a bunch of like dudes sharing really gross reviews. They have like a whole rating system about women. Women they share, mind you. There's one guy who goes by the name Genius. 
and he writes for someone okay so this guy's really disturbed he writes extremely graphic violent posts so you could argue that maybe he's just a troll he just found this website and he's just saying wild stuff the other guys on this website and there's a lot of them they look at this guy genius they call his reviews epistles and he would go about he would go he would walk you through the whole process of how he does this how he hides it from his wife while she's sleeping in bed how what time he would get up all the burner phones he would use how he would create all these aliases so on top of that which is okay that's not so uh rare in that world but on top of that he would he would share these insane graphic posts about beating these women to a pulp strangling them to near death so you know when i found that out i mean it was just blew me away uh that this existed so openly but this guy's post in particular again maybe it was just a, a troll but something told me he was real uh and he liked it and he liked the uh getting away with it in public thing whether or not he's killing people i don't know but he liked being able to say i do this to women i'm doing it publicly like he would say i do it in parking lots while you're in traffic so i told the fbi about that uh they never got back to me i think they probably thought i was a crazy person um, you know, the, the website is owned by someone who, you know, says that the address is the Rock of Gibraltar. So I finished my story. There's no real answer. I go through all the through various suspects. I think um, is probably a man of prominence and he might be uh, in construction. That's not just my theories. A bunch of us thought that. We thought that because of the burlap sacks. We thought that because if you can get away with this for such a long time in a fairly wealthy area, you must have some standing in this place. Uh, and that was it um and, and meanwhile you know just one side note because it's so dark uh shannon gilbert her mom and one of her sisters who were very uh um vocal about this whole case uh that sister ended up murdering that mother just randomly on some psychotic like mental break stabbed her like 200 times uh and and just in, in, a, in a weird coincidence with me and the story i happened to be friends with the nurse who took care of the sister when she snapped and this is three hours north of long island so it's like i couldn't get rid of the story i could i just like couldn't like escape it um so then we cut to a week ago and now all of a sudden there's an arrest made and it's shocking after 13 years of nothing and uh, it's this guy rex Sherman, and he turns out to be a prominent man in long island who's an architect uh very interesting the name had the name was not on my list at all i don't think he's on anybody's list but that profile was, you know, he is someone who is, seems very wealthy. He seems to be uh, an architect working for, like he had deals with American Airlines. Uh, big guy also, um, which seemed consistent with a lot of people's uh, beliefs because either he drove down that, that highway and parked and carried these bodies through the bramble, through that marsh and laid them down, or perhaps he took a boat across the bay because he did live right across the bay. Um, so yeah, he's, a, and they got him because they they were uh surveilling him and then he threw out pizza crust and this was interesting when i read this uh because it's the same way they got john bitroff 30 minutes away they were surveilling him he threw away a cup they got it they got the dna it matched actually with his brother who was on probation and then they they got uh john and oddly enough i think uh rex herman's brother also has a past with um i think he killed somebody by accident in his car while high on something i forget what so yeah, they, they got this guy, Hierman. Uh It seems like they might have the guy. I don't know 100%, but they talk about him using burner phones. They talk about him using aliases. Yeah. They talk about him being obsessed with torture porn. They talk about him being obsessed with Googling himself or what they believe to be himself and, and the case in general. So it's like, 
I'm pretty sure if it is him, like he probably found all of the things that any of us wrote about him. You know, Robert Kolker wrote a, a book, The Lost Girls, about it. I wrote this this really long story about it. Uh, there were millions, I mean, not millions, but there's hundreds of blogs, videos. So it seems like he is obsessed with himself. He seems like he has an ego. He seems really smart, uh, clearly. Um, so now here we are. Uh, I, I don't know what's going on yet, like in terms of trial, but they seem to have found a lot of guns. Not that that means anything, because I don't think anyone was killed with a gun. It seemed like a lot of them were strangled, but I don't think we know that yet. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, I'm in, incredibly shocked that they have somebody in custody. Well, it, it, yeah, aside from everything that you had assumed or the profile you built up of who it could have been, and I do remember you talking about the post left by so-called genius, and as you, as you, the more you talk about this, like, well, this guy could fit could fit the, the, the bill as someone who would be posting under that name as well. But then again, you talk about, we're, we're, we're I don't know, we're, we're uh, sketching out a picture of a place that, as you say, is uh, pretty remote and is exclusively accessed by people who are well-to-do, and there's just so many there. So it's either one person working overtime or it's a collective dumping ground. If it's more than one person, there's no honor among thieves. So if this guy is the murderer, I'd have to imagine he might be able to give somebody else up. And then you talk about the police obstruction. Yeah, it could be this. It could be that this cop is just trying to spare himself any personal inconvenience. But uh, how many times before, especially in situations like what we, we what we've learned about so far with um, uh, going on there in uh, in Boulder, Colorado, with with um, with uh, John Benet Ramsey. It it, it mm-hmm. we're, what we're talking about in that in that case is the the story of an entire town. That has been, yeah. I mean, everybody's involved. There are towns all over this country, cities all over the world, that everybody, everybody of prominence is involved in these sex rings. Um, this case seems like it's just a, a snuff ring. Mm-hmm. Could it possibly be more than one guy? It, 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 it seems... So- so uh, the attorney for Shannon Gilbert's family. So now you know, like I said, Mary Gilbert, the mom has been murdered. The daughter, the one daughter, is in jail. I don't know if the attorney is still with the family, but as of like two years ago, he held this kind of bizarre conference. And this, this guy is kind of like one of those, like uh, you know, he's got a ponytail and wears like a, a velour suit type situation. So I'm like ah, with him. But anyway, this conference, he had a woman who came out and said that she was at like an orgy in Gilgo Beach and the chief of police, that guy I was talking about was there. So it's like, take it with a grain of salt. I don't know. You know, and this guy likes to do these type of really public, bizarre conferences. Um, But that is a thing that a lot of people say out there about these sex parties, you know? And clearly this guy's got an issue, you know? So it's like, I'm not gonna discount it totally. Uh, I'm willing to hear about it, but I, I don't know. It's hard to believe that it's just one person, but again, we have a history in this country and the world of, of serial killers who are really prolific and have done a lot worse for a lot longer. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I'm just, it's weird to me that we haven't really uh, connected him to more yet, but I guess they found his wife's, the, the guy in custody right now, Rex Hearman, I think they found his wife's hair on one of the victims. Wow. Um, yeah, it's really, really weird and dark. That might even be something like psychological he's doing. Like, I almost feel like that was on purpose, but I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just theorizing with this. I don't know anything else yet. They've kind of been a tight lid on this so far, but I'm, um, I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing more. I, I would like to see Shannon Gilbert 
somehow happened something with her because it just seems so bizarre to me that she's out there too in this like graveyard of prostitutes just like her and they refuse to make her a victim so i don't know that's it's, and she's the one that basically broke the whole case open by disappearing matt you have any questions no. okay well uh, here i have a uh, i have something about this too um all right, getting back to and and like you said, the the whole the, the posts from Genius on this this website, it could be mm-hmm. a LARP. I mean, people mm-hmm. uh, you know people love doing uh, uh, role playing in the most um, extreme ways, and it it, uh, it it's an exercise for them. They I guess they probably like that other people like it, no matter how gruesome it is. But if this was mm-hmm. real. If this guy has a system of burner phones and he's hiding from his wife and he's operating certain times a day and he's talking about dr- and he's t- and he's meeting up with women and he is buying their services, which almost all of them they they need. I would have to imagine at least some of them had pimps and drivers. If they are mm-hmm. being beaten to the point where they are clinging to life, but he leaves them alive, wouldn't there be a lot of people out there willing to identify? This person, because a person like that who gets off to to yep. uh, interactions that violent, they're not going. It, it's going. They're going to want to cross that line. They're going to want to actually snuff someone out. So, yep. uh, wouldn't there be people yeah, willing to talk? Yeah, you would think. You would think. I think a lot of people did come forward saying like they they might have met a, a John who was very violent. That stuff is in Colker's book, which is pretty good. He goes through like a lot of different prostitutes uh, who survived or who think they survived. Uh, but then the other argument would be, a lot of these women go to the police and are not taken seriously. So it's kind of like a balance of, well, you put yourself in a situation, like kind of like with Shannon Gilder, when she went disappearing, according to her family, and it seems to be the case, like they didn't really search for her, because it's just like another prostitute, she disappeared, it happens all the time. So it's hard to say, and maybe someone did come forward and they're like, you know, and it helped the police kind of zero in on somebody. Because uh, it seems like they've been, uh, uh, after this guy for quite some time. I think, if I'm correct, they've been watching Rex Hureman like uh, six months after they created the task force, which is not that old, you know? But uh, maybe, a, maybe a year or two, I gotta get the dates right. But they were zeroed in on him fairly quickly. So either they had intel from people like that, or it was just the burner phones that they somehow triangulated, like they said at the press conference. Uh, but it could be multiple things. Like, this guy who they have in custody uh, if it's him, if it's the guy who did these murders, uh, he seems to get off on this like uh, doing it in public thing. Because this is also the guy who who would use, um, I think it was Melissa Bartholomew, he would use her cell phone to call her little sister and taunt her on the phone. And he would hang up before it was too, like, too long to trace it, right? So like they have that, which I think also helped the investigation. Um, so it's like he seems to like to put himself out there and uh you know it's it's almost like a, a weird voyeurism that's a nightmare a that right there that it's you terrifying just, that is a nightmare to to, to be yeah. the to be the sister to to know to know that your sister's yeah. probably harmed she's probably dead and and the guy who did it it now has not only has you on your radar but he is seeking you out for i mean yeah. to, even to have the 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 gall to taunt i mean this yep. is this is a person that would, i think I think he. Uh, I think he even told her, uh, "Like your sister's rotting right now." I think he said something like that. I don't know the exact quotes. That's according to the sister, but uh, he said some really dark stuff to her. Um, was his voice? So, yeah, was I, his voice know, modulated in any way, or were they able to to match this guy that they have in know. custody now? 
I don't, I don't know if it was modulated or not. I don't know if they even have that audio, you know, because from what I heard when I did the investigation is that he would hang up before they could trace it. Um, so I don't know if they have audio from that. And we're, we're going off what the sister was saying, but there were calls made to her phone uh, that they could see that much. But um, I don't know about the modulation. I, I, I always imagined him just using his, like, disturbing killer voice, whatever that is, you know. Because these people, like, you know, I talked to someone fairly recently who she claims to have survived Ted Bundy. It was in a car with him and she said something very similar to another woman i heard talk about ted bundy where like they're with him and uh his face changes like he mutates right before something bad is about to happen or they think is going to happen like his eyes literally change like they turn to like these black spots these it's black possessed. holes so it's she said that yeah possession it's, it's terrifying it's terrifying and, uh, matt, matt just uh, suggested possession yes i could be it, these people are demonic i mean the way they like Ted Bundy is, I, I always say this, and I, I truly mean it. Like he, he's a was a demon. You know, they those any movie about Ted Bundy, they never go as far as they should in terms of how dark that guy was. Like he was such a monster, he would rip you apart sometimes, and and he would string your intestines through trees. Like they, they just like they're like animals, they're feral these demons. So, yeah, I, these people are are into some of the most evil evil stuff. Let me ask you, last night, Shane, I think you would have really loved being in, in studio last night. We had, I had an exorcist and a demonologist in, in the studio, and we were, we were discussing a whole bunch of things, not only just the crafts um, that, they, um, the, uh, that, that they're, they're involved in and the trades that they ply, but it's also just being able to uh, assess what the state of society itself. And I remember when, did you watch the Netflix documentary that came out a couple of years ago, Sons of Sam, that, that, that really expanded, mm -hmm. on, expanded on the Berkowitz story, how it, no. it, it, was, it was not, it was not one person. That it was, yeah. it was plugged into a much larger satanic, maybe even nationwide system of covens. And, um, yep. and, and when you want, you got to go rewatch that uh, or watch it. I will. You, you, I think I you'd really enjoy it. But, you know, thinking about that, I remember in the early goings of the, of the series, they started really building up the, uh, the atmosphere in the country at the time in the seventies and how things were getting a little bit darker, a little bit shakier. Um, people were, were just getting pulled away from anything that would tether them to a moral living. And it, it, it in so many ways, it pretty much insinuated that the, the ground was fertile for a new kind of public horror. It wasn't war. It was one person at a time waging war on humanity in the form of serial killings. And I had to, I, I, I speculated that I cannot believe that we have healed ourselves that much since then. In fact, we are looking at, we're looking at a time of unbelievable spiritual, um, spiritual instability. Uh, we, mm -hmm. we we see it all over the place. How do you think that we are grossly understating how many serial killers are actually out there right now? Yes, we have no idea. The FBI will say this. I mean, if you want to even believe those motherfuckers, but like they don't know. Like no one knows, you know. And I think like modernity right now offers a facade that covers up the true barbarism of people because these monsters are forever. You know, like the cause serial killers, mass murders. They've just been around. It's it's forever. You know, you can go back to someone like Elizabeth Bathory, you know, who was having people procured in her village to bathe in their blood because she thought it was good for her skin. Uh, so it's, these these types of things always happen. 
and it's o almost always like oh he was such a good neighbor i can't believe it's him he was a great teacher he was a great architect he was a handsome fella you know uh so i think i think they're out there i think there's monsters walking amongst us i think society definitely goes through these moments of uh like overall possession like you're saying with berkowitz it's funny you said that because i was thinking about that today actually my um my grandfather was a cop in the city during that summer of sam and uh he actually helped apprehend another like i don't think it was a serial killer but he was uh he, he murdered a lot of people really quick like a mass murderer with a knife and he killed a little girl uh stabbed her like i want to say like a hundred times like someone you never even hear about but i have a picture of my grandfather like apprehending this this monster and it was the same summer so it's like hard to believe that people were you know ha haunted by this uh that berkowitz you know murders and then uh this other guy that my grandfather happened to apprehend when he was a cop that was also happening in the same area you know mm -hmm. and just like evil evil shit. and yeah the 70s look at the city in the 70s it was terrible and so i think it, it fluctuates for sure and and these types of times we're in now perhaps where the economy is not doing so well people are desperate prostitutions might be on the rise people uh places like the cities like new york they kind of uh invite uh people who live on the fringes of society like prostitutes which then serial killers know to exploit and they also can hide you know in cities better i think you know because it's kind of like a wilderness of, of people and uh i don't i think new york actually has the highest concentration of serial killers supposedly um i don't know how they you know that's just of what they caught uh, we don't know, you know. Maybe there's just really better ones in other states. That's that another. That's, that's another another thing we're the we're the champions of. Yeah, good murder. Yeah, murder. yeah. yeah. Well, well, you know, I I am also a former. I'm a former New Yorker, and we did have a mass murdering governor when Cuomo. Oh yeah. So we even got him in government, man. I know, Matt. What were you gonna say? Shocking. No, nothing about the other uh, serial killer. There was the big satanic group that would meet in that park that spread from Yonkers to Bronx. What was it called? Untermeyer Park? Untermeyer. Yeah. Untermeyer. Untermeyer. Yeah. Yeah. That's a part that's, of... That's David a, Berkowitz would go to Berkowitz. those. Yeah, he it's would a, go to those. It's a part... Yeah. I mean, they, they we, we always knew about Untermeyer Park, but that is a big... That is a big um, part in that Sons of Sam documentary. I'm, I I may have to go watch it again. That and I have to. I will. What, what's the other thing I have to watch? I was talking to the Zell brothers as well. I have to go watch the. Um, where the hell is it over here? Is um, it Mind Hunter. What's that? Mind Hunter. No. Adventure? Let's oh, see. That's a good one. The Keepers. I don't know that one. It's called The Keepers. It's uh, the, the, my okay. my buddy Frank said it's seven episodes. It's on Netflix. I think it's called The Keepers. Okay. It's about a cool. nun, this nun that was murdered in Baltimore. She learned about a child sex ring and she was killed for it. And now we just had this uh, this article that came out in the in, I think in the New York Post a couple of weeks ago. Here it is. Here's the headline right now. This is from July 8th. FBI to exhume body of the woman featured on the Netflix series The Keeper. So for some reason, wow. the FBI has exhumed the body of this nun. I have to go watch The Keepers, and I have to re-watch Sons of Sam. I will. I will watch them. Those both sound good. I appreciate it. You should watch Mindhunter. I actually really like Mindhunter. It's a, it's a great Fincher miniseries. I want to say it's two seasons, uh, and it goes into how the FBI started the profiling department and they talked to uh, ed kemper which is pretty spot on to the real ed kemper tapes he's a serial killer that always really bothered me also had a, a close relationship with the cops while on probation while he had decapitated heads in his trunk 
Shane, if there's any updates, I would love to, even if you drop in for five to ten minute segments just to amend what we have done tonight, yeah. which I think is uh, is such a really good foundational segment that we did tonight, I'll probably cut it all out and uh, and feature it as, as its own crash course. But, but we should definitely amend this Thank as you. time goes on, because if there's any twists and turns, I want to be able to stick this one out. Uh, do you have anything you want to uh, plug in the in the coming days and weeks that, that you're working on right now? So um, if you want, if people out there want to read my, the first long part of this serial killer story, which is the Long Island Monster, that's at the invertedworldbook.com. That's also been illustrated and narrated at timcast.com for members. Uh, the great Jessica Boone has illustrated that. I narrated it. And uh, you, can, you can get down on that. It's uh, pretty awesome. I also have the Ghost of the Civil War book, which is what we talked about at the beginning, about the Confederate gold. And uh, everything else that I've been writing, all the profiles and whatnot, are at timcast.com. Okay, well, hey, in the meantime, uh, next time you see Tim, say, Frank says, sup. And uh, and, and the next time you hang out with Alex Jones, please take out your phone. I will. Take out your phone you and, and just, and just uh, I don't know, I mean, you either either film him say, hey, Frank, what's up? Or give me a call. Hey, Frank. Yeah, something Frank, like that. How are you? Give me a, give me a cheap thrill. It'll be, it'll be my Christmas present, okay? <laughs> I hope I hope I see him again soon. It's it's very possible. We'll see. He, I think he's a great guy, he's a gentleman, and uh, a great modern poet. Yeah, re- record record me a quite frankly bumper at, for with Alex Jones. Hey, this is Shane Cashman oh, yeah. and Alex Jones. This is Shane Cashman and Alex Jones. You're watching quite frankly. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd love to make that happen. <laughs> oh my God! All right, dude. Have a good night. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks for having me, dude. There Have you go. One. That was a wonderful, wonderful. Uh, that's what we needed, guys. Uh, I because I was not. I needed somebody who knew to break that one down for us, and that was a good job by Shane Cashman. All right. Well, Matt, is, well, didn't that disturb the hell out of you on a Friday well, night? I mean, I knew that they caught this guy. I didn't know anything about all the details, you know, of it. I didn't know, you know, that there's 11 bodies they found, he said. Or 11. That's now, I, the, the, all we hear about are the four. So that is the other thing that I've been wondering about. What about the other seven? Yeah. Uh, is there anything that ties it all together? Is there is there a commonality? And, and then is the thing that if they are tied together, is it that the same person did it, or is it that an organization of people that ritualistically and recreationally do this, and have designated this area of swamp as their little uh, dumping ground? Is it that they are? Uh, it's a it's a group thing. That's what I'm I'm wondering about now. Yeah, it could be. I mean, a couple of them could be mafia hits too. This sounds. Uh, we're talking about the deepest and sickest of sexual fetish and kink right here. I don't think that this is mafia. Oh, yeah, that's right. They're all uh, prostitutes. Yeah, this in is in one tranny. Right. This is not. Um, this is not. This is not uh, mafia in my estimation. But we will be right back, ladies and gentlemen, with your calls, your super chats, and and some other. Some other extras for this Friday evening. Don't go anywhere because it's going to be a good one. It's intermission time, folks. Time out to press the like button. Thank you. Welcome to intermission. We'll, we'll be right back.
now entering, quite frankly. 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 We all support quite frankly. Not quite. Quite frankly. Let's go, Brandon. Quite frankly. In Roma, Italia. Quite frankly. You're going on Frank's show tonight? I want to get a Coke. Can I get a Coke? So everybody watch. Quite frankly. With Frank. Quite frankly. Friday, and it's time to, we got a little bit of that out of the way, that uh, was a trip to the dark side of things, yes indeed, but, um, but you know, we dabble, we dibble dabble a little bit, let's go to the super chats, and then lines are open to 914-200-0269, you want to say something to me, you want to say something to Matthew, do you want to say something to both of us? Then by all means, call in now. Call me now. You remember that? You remember Miss Cleo? Yeah, she's a big fraud. <laughs> of course, she's a fraud. <laughs> it said entertainment purposes only on the screen. But uh, you know, we were easily we were easily distracted. Oh, not easily entertained by everything back then. Um, now we are just uh, we're numb. Yeah, it's like it's like everything is stink fist. Stostube says, "Great Friday evening, gents. Not much to say. Just dropping a little something in the pot. Thank you, Frank. Thank you, Stostube. Thank you so much." Uh, Gino says, "Very upsetting. Over uh, just over a week left to watch Mark Swan and his sexy dance. Wait a minute. He sure looks a lot like Hewerman. Rex Hewerman, the guy from Long Island. We are sure he isn't the Long. Are we sure he is not the Long Island serial killer? And Swan was just an alias. Something to think about. Much love, Matt and Francis. Thank you, Gino. I didn't ever even thought that Mark Swan could be the killer. I think he is. Shotzi. All the cops on him. <laughs> Shotzi says, "Hey, Frank and Matt, have a fantastic weekend. Thank you, thank you, Shotzi. She's very nice, and her her dogs are very nice too. She sent a picture of her dogs to to Aurora." Um, you know, I I need to say something right now about last night. First of all, last night uh, it's a it's a really interesting episode, and uh, it it'll be one that we think about uh, for a while, and it'll definitely be on the top five of everything that we do in 2023. But I really need to drive home what happened last night with my cousin. Now, when I got a call from from Reverend uh, Bill Bean. About an hour before, it's like 5.30 p.m. over here. And he said, hey, we're about an hour away. I'm, I'm just going to be meeting up with my, my the guy who's doing security for me throughout the weekend. Um, he's, uh, you know, I'm meeting up with him near the, near the studio over there. His name is Mike Supa. And I, uh, and I'll be, I'll be, and, I, and I, it, it didn't even go. It didn't even, because we're talking about 
Reverend Bill Bean, we found him on the internet. We did some research. Uh, my uh, One of my producers, Krista, she, she's the one that found I said, well, here's a couple of Catholic priests that I would love to get in touch with. But, you know, I'm open for whatever. And we couldn't get... Bill Bean popped up along the way, and he responded to us. And he's got a really great uh, resume on media. And we knew he'd be a great personality and person to talk to. And it worked out great. But he's from Maryland. You know, he's from hundreds of miles away. And here we are, here we are in Westchester, New York, and he is uh, coming on in because he's going to be doing a, uh, that, that seminar up, uh, you know, about 45 minutes into Connecticut. So he says, I'm meeting up with my security guy, that somebody he brought on for the weekend. And I didn't even, I said, Mike Supa, okay. Well, then, then he said, um, we, we talked for another two minutes about, hey, when you get here, call me. When you're a mile out, call me, and I'll, I'll direct you to some of the... Um, some of the, the the local parking options that you have he goes oh, that's okay don't worry about it my my guy's local he knows what he's doing and, and we'll, we'll get to the front door of the studio in no time i said what's his name again he goes he goes mike supa i said supa I said, I, i'm really i mean that's just it's just such a common name and i'm related to the supas i'm like but it, this is impossible we're talking about the chances of mike supa my cousin mm-hmm. being his you know, security guy for the weekend is one in hundreds of thousands. It, okay, so I said, "Is this guy local?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah, he's from around the area. At least he was born around here." I said, "Is he a musician?" Because Mike Supa, he's a professional musician. He writes for writes music for movies. He's got a couple of bands. He he's got a lot of really famous friends. He's done great work in his career. And he goes, "Yeah, he's a he's a big rock star." I said, "I said, Bill, that that's my cousin." He said, I'm not even going to tell him because Mike has never been into the studio before. Every time we see Mike, my cousin Mike, it's always at a funeral. And we, uh, me and Anthony, we catch up with him. We talk about what the hell's going on with us, what's going on with him. And then we say, we always end every session with, you got to come by and see the studio. Come by, jam one night, whatever it is. He's like, absolutely, let's do it. But it never happens. Mm-hmm. So when I go down the stairs to go meet them downstairs, and I'm at the top of the steps, and there's Mike. I said, what's going on, Cousin Mike? And he looked at me, and it took him a couple of seconds to register what was happening. Like, he couldn't believe he saw me, too. And he said, this is, this is you? I said, yeah. Dude, I'm tell- that, for, for that to be the way that the night started last night, I can't stress enough how, how really uh, incredible that was. And, um, and yeah, even, even Mike's daughter, uh, my cousin, Ashley, Ashley Supa is a bassist in that all girl rock band plush. Yeah. You probably never heard of them, but, um, they've definitely, uh, they've definitely had some good work done. They've, they've been on the road and they've been doing good things. I think she worked with Ace Freely. So that was uh, one hell of a family reunion last night and very serendipitous. I don't know how the hell it happened, but. Um, it only added to the magic of the evening. So, let's get on with some calls. 914-200-0269. And first, let me see if there's any super chats on the Rumble Rants. There is one. And that is from JDog28. says, me and the wife love watching, quite frankly, with our dogs. Hell yes. That's great. I love the dog. Oh, we have a lot of dog uh, dog families out there that watch. Thank you, Robert Sorens. Frank's more of a cat person. Not really. I have two cats in my life. <laughs> I have two cats in my life. They're uh, Pi- cats? Pyre- oh, yeah. Pyretta is a, is, a, is a doll. You know, she's Anthony's cat, but she's in all of our lives, and she's a doll. 
uh, Lila, she's uh, she's fascinating to observe, but you know, and she's warmed to me over the years. But she's moody. I can't take her to parties like I can take Pyretta to parties. And um, you know, those that's the one you you, you keep home. Uh, Witchy Poo twenty two. Happy Friday, Franklies. Thank you. CB Joey says Happy Friday, Frank and friends. Thank you, CB. Porpoiseful and Witchy Poo again. Thank you so much. Let's take a call from Stephen. What's going on, Stephen? What's happening, Frank? How are you, man? I'm doing well. What's on your mind tonight? So, uh, anyhow, uh, last night's show was incredible. I was kind of freaking out about the Roman numeral thing. Because now I look at a clock that my dad had from years ago, and I swear the Roman numerals were flipped the other way. You see, I don't know what I don't know whether or not that is just the the style of an individual clock manufacturer, though, Steve, because it's not like the Roman numeral five it ha- has gone officially from V to A inverted. It's just that I guess depending on who's making the clock, you will keep all of the numerals upright until eventually they're upside down when you're going down by the bottom of the hour and then back up around. I. I, I don't know if that is just a, a a thing that clockmakers and manufacturers just make stylistic decisions on their own. I don't know if that's a Mandela effect for me. I, I don't know if it is either. I'm looking for old pictures, though, to try to find the picture of it from years ago just to see if it was. So, But anyway, the show was awesome last night. I'm man. glad. I just wanted to put it out there. I'm glad you liked it. Is and it- uh, give a shout-out for Ask My Tax. We're trying to get rid of property taxes in Michigan. Wonderful. You know, Steve, I don't know about um, uh, Michigan taxes, but I will tell you this. On, Let me get the, the calendar up in front of me here, the guest calendar. We have a lot of great things coming up. On July 31st, I believe it's a Monday, his name is Payman Motahadeh. And he, Payman is coming on. He is from the Freedom Law School, and he's going to be talking about income tax, the, the truth about the income tax, federal income tax. So I don't know if he will be getting into state statute. Um, I hope that you in Michigan uh, fight the good fight and relieve yourself of that burden. But we are going to be talking about the income tax on July 31st. That's the first time I've been able to wrangle a guest for something like that. So I hope it works out. Yeah, me too. If you want the person that founded it, I can get them on the show for you if you want to. Well, send me an email. Thank you so much, Steve. Okay, take care, Frank. Be well. Yeah, that was a... The thing about the the Mandela effect... The thing about the Mandela effect is when... When Reverend Bill Bean last night was talking about the Mandela effect uh, making an impact in the way that the Bible is configured... I can see that being part of... Like, if there is an operation that is being launched at CERN... And it has a very specific objective to change a very specific thing. You would think that it would be something as significant as the Bible. You know, that they want to, they want to change certain things in the Bible or whatever. And that all the other things, that whether or not Darth Vader says, Luke, no Luke, I'm your father. Or Luke, I'm your father. Or whatever the hell it is. Or Captain Crunch is Captain Crunch. Or the, the Roman numerals are upside down. Or any other <coughs> Mandela effect that we had gone right from Nelson Mandela himself. Um, I have to imagine that that would just be collateral damage. You can't tell me that somebody deliberately changed Captain Crunch. And they deliberately change these small, insignificant things. I am more, um, I'm more willing to believe that they were just collateral damage of a bigger operation, of a bigger timeline shift. 
that that's my that's my thought. So um, so let's see. Oh, uh, <laughs> Lauren just sent me a picture of Lila. She said, "Speaking of the party animal, oh, uh, Lila's uh, sleeping. She looks dead right now." There, there's Lila. Yeah, she's having a good snooze. Speaking of the party animal, Lila still has a brilliant gray coat, and sometimes in the sunlight she looks purple, sometimes she looks brown, other times a nice slate gray, but uh, she looks young and spry as ever, even though she's nearly 13. She's got another 40 years left in her. That cat. Every time she takes a shit, she, she goes for a run. She's like uh, George Clooney in Burn After Reading. You ever see that movie? I think once. <laughs> That's a good movie. <laughs> That's a messed up movie. But, um, all right, let's take some more calls. 914-200-0269. 914-200-0269. Did I get linked out of here? I did. Let's see. Oh, you know what we can do? Here's what we'll do. We'll take it easy. We'll take one more call. Uh, 714, you're on the air. Go ahead. 714, you there? Hey, Frank. Hey. Yeah, hey, Frank. How you doing? I'm doing well. Who am I speaking with? Uh, Scott from uh, California. Great, Scott. Welcome to the show. And go, what's on your mind? Oh, I was talking that guy that called before was talking about that uh, clock and the inverted Roman, Roman numerals. I've got my great-grandmother's clock that's from, like, uh, 1885, and the numerals are the same. They're like a... I don't hear you. I, 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 no, no, if you're listening to the stream, turn the stream off and just okay. concentrate on me. There's a delay. Yeah, I'm... I'm uh, you there? Yes. Okay. Yeah, no, I've got it muted, so... Good. Um, so the, the numbers are the same. I'm looking at a 130-year-old clock. So, so, okay, so then you're saying that when it gets down to the 6, um, the V in the VI is is upside down, so the V would kind of look like an A. No, they all look like an A. Upside They're all inverted, every one of them. Can you send can, from, any way that you can take a picture with your phone and send me an e send it to me an email in the next five minutes? Yeah, I could do that. Okay, do that. Take a picture uh, with your phone and send it an email to quite frankly podcast at gmail dot com. Okay. Okay, what's your email address? Quite frankly podcast at gmail dot com. Quite frankly podcast at gmail dot com. It's so easy. I'll take a picture of it and I'll send it to you. Yeah, because I think that this would be a good a good piece of evidence since that it is um it's it's over a hundred years old and I would yeah. I, I just want to see it. Yeah, right on. No problem. I'll do it right now. All right, man. Sounds All good. Right. I'll be on the lookout. Good. I'll be on the lookout for that one. <laughs> Somebody in the chat room said, quite frankly, Pod, can you spell Gmail? <laughs> oh, go easy on Scott. He just wants to be thorough. I have no problem with that. But, uh... <laughs> Let's see here. Deb, what's going on, Deborah? Hey, this is Jonathan again. Jonathan, how are you? Go ahead. 
I'm doing good. Yeah, I was calling. I think you had a really good. I was actually wanted to talk about what you had mentioned, um, the Mandela effect, and. Uh, can you uh, wait, wait, really John? Can you get closer to the, your your speaker, please, or to your receiver? Oh yeah, there we go. Thank you. How's that? Yeah, a lot better. I was calling because I, I thought you had a really good point about the Mandela effect. I mean, John, uh, get a little bit closer to the receiver. Get, like, really attack the receiver. <laughs> all right, all right. Just scream. Is that better? Oh, what, did you have me on speakerphone? I did. Oh, I did. why would you do <sighs> Go ahead, John. And it's an Apple speakerphone. Go. Go, John. Oh, so <laughs> calling about the Mandela effect, um, you had a really good point that uh, why would they have small insignificant meanings? Why would they make small changes? There's something large that they're after, and what's the most significant change you could make to humanity but alter the Bible? And one thing that came up recently was somebody had, had talked about how uh, they mentioned the lion and the lamb, and, and I remember that being in there, and I remember a lot of people being there. There's pictures drawn. There, there's a lot of uh, famous artwork that shows it. And now if you research that or you search Google, all it's going to do is mention some references of a lion and a lamb being compared, uh, the two compared to each other, but you'll never see the actual verse them laying together. Now they're going to say that it was the wolf and the lamb. And I know there's a lot of people who, who uh, uh, remember that those weren't actual verses. And it's also mentioned that King James versus other, other verses of the Bible or other versions of the Bible could be the difference. But, I mean, if, if you continue to search, it just seems like it's not there anymore. And maybe it's something that AI is doing. So, so, but here's the thing that I always wonder about, and you're you're right. I still think this is this is an example of one of those things where I would say, all right, to go and change a timeline where it's a holy book or something that is so influential, so pivotal to our civilizations, you know, the, the, that has been the mortar for for so much of what we've done, um, for that to be changed incrementally i understand that 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 is really that's that's something i can get my question is though is it retroactive in the way that if it is changed if it is changed in let's say you go to cern or any other ritual let's go you go someplace and you got a you got a a big uh device that is that is going to help you shift these timelines around if you go and make this change does it automatically wipe out all memory of it ever being some other way like for example i have the clock over here that uh that scott sent here let me get this up on the screen thank you so much scott and i hope you um i hope you uh you took our ribbing lightly about the uh, about the writing down of the email address but look here let me get this zoom this in and i'm putting it on oh, screen yeah yeah my grandparents had a clock like that so did mine now that i think about it and when i look at this i look at this and i'm seeing one two three four now five is v yeah. six is v1 and then you have v2 three and then you and then you you go to ix for nine x x1 x2 for tw for 12. but it's just i never I don't ever remember the V's being right side up once they hit the bottom of the clock. It's style. Yeah. It's stylistically. It, it does. It's not consistent with the rest of the clock. It, it just doesn't. It doesn't work right for me. So I don't remember these ever. I don't consider them A's. I just seem. I, it's just a stylized way that the clocks are made. And this is a clock over here that Scott sent in that is over a, well over a hundred years old. So my question is for you, John. 
Um, what do you? If something has changed in a you know in a place like CERN or something in 2023, does it? Does that mean that you know one night Scott went to bed, and his grandmother's clocks did have the V's upright, and he woke up the next morning and they were down like this? Like what? What is the what? What is the butterfly effect about? Absolutely, and it sounds wild, but my answer to that is yes, because even it's funny that you mentioned that as well. There was a, a, a and I, I would love to find the video, and I'll try to send it over to you. But there was an actual, I believe, he was a pastor, and he mentioned about he studies ancient uh, uh, books. He has many, many ancient copies of texts, and he said that those texts, as of today, have appeared to have changed. And he can't explain it. The physical copies that he has are altered to show the same thing and and he feels that strongly through his studies they were not like that and now come 2023 i don't know when he noticed this change but he's saying that physical alterations are happening manifesting in our world it's funny you mentioned this clock i'm looking right now and there's a delay of the clock on the screen my mother also had a grandfather clock since i was young in the house all the time i stared at that constantly and now that i look at this picture i do see it very odd being that there are a's on the clock it seemed like there used to be V. Well, um, and I'm gonna ask for a photo uh, right now. When I got phone, I'm gonna ask for her to take a photo of that same grandfather clock she has in her house and send it to me because I'm curious now. All right. Well, my mind. well, well, well. Thank you for the call, John. Here, here's here's a little bit more. This one just came in from Kathleen Newhart. Kathleen, thank you so much. Said, I'm listening to you. I've, I, I have sent you a picture of a clock I received as a gift in 1994 from the Pottery Barn. So this is not an eight, a 19th century clock. It's a 20th century gift. And I, she goes on to say she loves the show. She's been watching for five years plus. And Kathleen, I appreciate you so much. Thank you for the correspondence. Um, April Wartman just sent in a clock as well hold on antique grandfather clocks it's all say it's all showing the same thing yeah here's the it was here's the first this is one one from april um and then here's the one from <coughs> kathleen this is from the pottery barn now it's just one of those things where uh, those are v's to me they are they're v's they are um not a's they're v's which in roman numeral is five it's just stylistically, if you get down to, to four, and then all, wait, 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 the four is wrong over here. The four, on this, on this clock, on the Pottery Barn clock, this is wrong. That's an acceptable. That's acceptable. No, it's not. Sure it is. No. And then even for five, you can do uh, four straight lines with a thing through it. That's, that, that's, that's also acceptable in ancient Rome. That's prison tallying. No, that's, that was invented in ancient Rome. Four eyes is is acceptable for four. It's not IV. <laughs> no, I never saw that before, I'll be honest. So I, I, I Kathleen, there, so I don't, I don't know about the pottery barn, Kathleen, because four is IV, and then it's V, and then it's VI. So I don't know about that. That's the Mandela effect right there. It's, it's it's this four right here is the weirdo. But this stuff is consistent in every clock I've ever seen that uses Roman numerals. Just like in every clock that I have seen that doesn't have Roman numerals, they often have to put a line underneath the six or the nine mm -hmm. to be able to show to, to be able to signify whether or not it's a six or a nine because they can be inverted. So I don't know about this being Mandela effect. I think it's just clock making. I've never known it any other way. Um, 
Yeah, my grandparents' cuckoo clock was like that. My my grandparents had a cuckoo clock as well. I love that cuckoo clock. I don't think I ever... I remember when... I don't think I ever knew it to be functional where the, the bird pops out. Oh, that worked on my grandparents. It was awesome. I remember we had to manually open it up and look. Oh, there's the bird still inside. But I don't think it ever came out. Um, it broke at some point. It was old. Um, I, I remember that. Okay. All right. Let's see here. I guess we'll just take another call. Joseph. Oh, no. He popped away. He popped away. You want to listen to a little bit of uh, Anthony Weiner? Do I want to see Anthony's Weiner? No, do you want to listen to a little of him melting down with uh, Patrick Bet David? Yeah, yeah, it was great. For people, if you haven't seen this, I'm going to play a few few minutes. This is how, I don't know why he went on um, this show. He's the, uh, starting his own uh, radio show. So I guess maybe he thought he'd go on this and... Plug it. I thought he already did that. Didn't, didn't he? He had what, a show with Curtis Silva. Sliwa. Yeah, but I think he's doing his own show now. It's called, I don't know. like, I think it's called uh, Wiener to Wiener. <laughs> Wiener to Wiener. My life. Here, listen you to You were this. very uh, uh, eloquent on the way you defended Hillary Clinton on who she was when it comes down to politics. Are you still close to that family? I'm not. Okay. So who do you think between the two was a better politician? You think Bill's the better politician? Do you think Hillary's the better politician? I don't politician? think Hillary was a particularly good politician. Okay, so she's a better strategist, you would say. She's more uh, strategic, she's, she's power. A, she, is, she is a classic blooming where she's potted kind of public official. Yeah. Everything that she has been given to do. I watched her, you know, as a as a rookie elected official come into New York and become an amazing senator, I watched her at, sec at, at Secretary of State be, like, just, she blooms where she's potted. She would have, she knows government well. She's smart as a, very, very smart. So pretty much he just lauds her and says that she's she's wonderful. Then he's, then uh, Patrick Bet David goes into, he wants to talk about, yeah, there's some things that are, there's a lot of, a lot of um, conspiracy <laughs> theories. Conspiracy <laughs> theories that have popped up around these people. And uh, you can dismiss a lot of them, which I don't dismiss many of the ones that well, he does. Well, he even went beyond that and says it's not conspiracy theory. It's just, it's a reputation. Uh, yeah. Pretty much. Like, it's not even conspiracy. It's a reputation they have. In 2016, while the scandal was taking place. For years so, before that, she's, yeah. she was with Hillary for, she's 25, something He's talking about years. now. And, and the whole thing with the life insurance, you know, the, the okay, here we go. we have to ask you about. To be fair, it's <laughs> Bill Clinton officiated your wedding with Huma, your wife, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. So you've been very close, and your wife, is it still wife or is it ex-wife? I think it's separated since 2017, we're, right? We're, we're separated. We, we, After we the sexting, Jordan, right? We're separated. Okay. Yeah. And, laptop, you know, she was a right-hand person to Hillary Clinton in 2016 while the scandal was taking place. For years so, before that, she's, yeah. she was with Hillary for... she's. 25, 20 years. And and the whole thing with the life insurance, you know, the, the email, 650,000, uh, one folder with the word life insurance and the files that are in there. So the next thing that, that people said, you, you got to ask no. is the following. So, hey, you know, Rob, if you can pull up this story, I'm like, I'm not going to buy into this one. Well, nine out of 12 cops, NYPD, who saw the email and saw what was in that laptop, you know, committed suicide. And it was you know, seven of them since June, and it was the most ever that this took place. And these are the men that committed suicides. So now, 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 all the suicide stuff with the cops—this is true. 
they there was a big die off there but it it wasn't the cops that were all around that had possession or knowledge of what was on this laptop um you know we were all hypersensitive at the time so we're just like oh my there's a pattern forming here and we said i wonder if it's all because of the laptop it wasn't it wasn't but that doesn't that doesn't uh, take away the testimony that we got from other people, it doesn't take away about uh, about what was on the laptop, about what, what you know grizzled New York City detectives uh, felt like when they saw what was what was on there, and also the interference from the FBI. Loretta Lynch coming in and saying this this needs to be destroyed, or else we're going to use Eric Garner to make uh, a lot of problems for you all. And of course, at that time we know why Loretta Lynch has been had been promised a uh, seat on the Supreme Court. You know, that was the whole tarmac thing. I mean, they were running influ- uh, mm-hmm. interference all over the place. The suicide stuff, that was a, we, we were hypersensitive, and it's, sometimes you just, you grasp at anything. But um, it doesn't take away from the seriousness of what was happening, and, and we still don't know what happened to this thing. But then we went and looked it up, and we're like, no, uh, uh, they did commit suicide, but it wasn't linked directly to seeing the laptop or the intel there no problem so again no credibility there so there's no reason to ask you the question about the nine out of 12 cops that saw you shouldn't NYPD. even be listing them and giving it oxygen no my job ahead. is to listen because i like to no, read list them you shouldn't be listing these yeah, things, yeah. Well, these things. Yeah. i like how patrick mcdavid uh even though he's he's very smart and saying listen th- there's no credibility to any of these things i'm still going to list them all I'm still going to tell you exactly what people are talking about. I mean, you know, it, it is it is pretty awesome. Just speaking this out loud is great. These it is what it is. Destructive it's, people have these actually are, these had are conspiracy theories. These are conspiracy Correct. theories that all some that people, have books about them, though. Right. I but the one thing that that we did look up that wasn't a conspiracy theory was the following. And th- this is the one that's kind of weird. And, and first thing I ask myself is, how the hell uh, is our, our guy here, Anthony Weiner, still alive? What do you mean by that? Well, when you go through the list of people that have been close to Hillary Clinton and the Clintons and the Deadpool, this is not a conspiracy. Deadpool. you got the names of James McDougal, okay, Clinton's convicted whitewater partner died of an apparent heart attack you know mary mahoney a former white house intern was murdered july 1997 at a starbucks coffee shop in georgetown Ron brown he died in a, vince car, in foster, a plane crash vince foster was in, vince foster was the next one he, by the way the, the james dougal was a key witness and a, a key ken star investigation brown was in a plane crash why is he on the list Ron that's brown how you know it's true one, but there was yeah. a close he keeps going to, to that Rainson, one name paul tooley ed woolley Wait a minute. A you're, you're reading a list of people that Bill and Hillary Clinton knew. You, they're 80. Well, they're 70 something minute. years old. I'm asking you this question. Die. I'm asking you this question. And, oh, I, and I love, I love what what uh, Patrick Bet David is reading from because you look at the little, the little, uh, the links that are in between. They're telling you to hey, click over here, and it's a book for the Zionist masquerade. <laughs> and, uh, and and then also uh, watch as he scrolls down. There's a reference to. There's a link to Kathy O'Brien and her work as well transformation answer at the end so you got jerry parks jane bunch james oh, wilson you're kathy better, ferguson bill shelton Andy bow you're better than florence this, martin susan coleman paula grober danny uh, casolero paula wilker danny casolero we were we were just talking about him uh and the uh the octopus is that t- the one that tied himself to the tree uh no and shot himself and then no, but that, that's another that's another one i mean the vince foster thing is it's like the building seven of everything of all the Clinton deaths, Vince Foster is like the building seven of it mm-hmm. all. 
But um, anyway. For John I don't know uh, any of these Walker, Barbara Weiss, <laughs> we should verify this yourself because you're, you're running a radio show. You should look it up. I Charles don't know Meisner, any of these Dr. names. Dr. Stanley okay. Heard, Barry. He keeps going. <laughs> he just, he's just. Barry <laughs> Beal, Barry Seal, Here, can, Johnny Longhorn, Can you read me the Stanley URL you're begins. reading? Can you read me the URL Herschel, you're reading? We'll send you the most credible no, no, source you can look it up. Let your listeners know Herschel what you're, what you're we reading We'll put the link below. We'll put the link below. Just tell me so I know what I'm responding to. Friday, Kevin Ivey, Dan Henry. Keith Coney, what? and these were a uh, 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 part of the Ivy Henry case. Keith McCaskill. What's the Ivy Henry case? Uh, you can look it up. Ivy <laughs> Henry case. So, Gregory Collins, Jeff Rhodes, James Millen, Richard Winter, and then you got the close bodyguards: Major Chemsick, William Barkley, Captain Scott Reynolds, uh, Brian Hanley, Tim Sable, what General you, William Robertson. You don't Robertson, even know what you're William reading. A list of how is this? Densberg, Robert Kelly, Colonel uh, Gary Rhodes, uh, uh, Steve right. Wills, Robert Williams, Conway LeBlue, Todd McKeon. I'm done. It's 46 names and. Of what? When can you I, read me I, the list? Can you I, read me the URL so I know I, what you uh, read a list uh, of uh, when I, I answer finish, questions When I finish this, when I finish this, stillinthestorm.com. You can look it up. Stillinthestorm.com. You can this look it up. This is your big moment, guys. Yeah, so you, you can go. And by the way. Ads about chemtrails by, at the by, end of by, it. He hasn't even asked the question. By the he's way. just reading the article. He's reading, no, he's reading a list of names. So, he hasn't even asked the question. It's a list. The fact that you're getting nervous is an answer. It's not nervous. I just, this stuff makes me sick when you repeat these ridiculous. Exactly. It makes us sick as well. It obviously doesn't. Because the establishment you makes us sick. You start the question by reading a list of well Your reaction is an answer. Conspiracy. I know, these things make me sick and people have gotten killed. Is an answer. Someone went into a pizza yes. parlor in Washington because they believe this shit, and your, you're making an echo chamber. Your reaction is an answer. Talking about Comet Pete's uh, 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 ping pong, where... Uh, where a guy walks into the the store and fires one bullet directly through the hard drive of the mm -hmm. computer. And then leaves. And then leaves. What a, hor a horrible day for Washington, D.C. So let me go to it here now. No, no, so, no, no, so no, 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 no. Your reaction is an answer. You're not going to read a list. Yeah, my reaction is my reaction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you tell me what that list, in your view... You what? haven't allowed me to finish. If you allow me yeah, to finish the question, you're reading 46 then random you can names do off the internet whatever you want. Of some fucking insane website. I love your answer. And these people, and these people, <laughs> who you don't even know who they are, you're reading them on a list of something, making some kind of incrim, in, 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 as if it's somehow suspicious. You don't even know who these human beings are, who have families, who are like out there. And now I'll you spend and the and you're next reading, two hours with you, one by one by one, explaining each individuals fine, are if you want to do fine. that. How about you pick one? Pick one and tell me who he was and what his story was. Uh, no, 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 not you. You were asking me the question. Pick one name I and will. then tell me. Pull up Vince Foster if you want. No, go, Vince go. Foster. That's who. No, come on, come on. That's the worst one. Don't pick up Vince Foster. That's the one I can I can defend the least. He come shot on. himself in the back three times. Uh, it, it was something. A, it was ruled a suicide, and I don't know how many shots it was to the back of the head, or whatever the hell. It, I mean, all the other reasons why it was impossible for him to do it to himself. And it's, then he was placed on a park bench after that, right? And he. Shot himself in the head three times and walked to a park bench to die. The world is Something a mysterious like place, Matt. The world's a mysterious place. Just like the other guy that was um, that hung himself and then shot himself mm -hmm. with a, a shotgun. Yeah. 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 As he was hanging. Because the hanging was taking too long. He just wanted to get it over with. You gotta make sure you're gonna die if you're gonna do it. Side has been investigated 50 times. Pull yeah. it to some, one of the obscure names you pull. Yeah, you, Why did you pull Ron Brown? Hey, let me read Ron Brown. Ron Brown, a commerce secretary who, who a plane crashed while he was on a humanitarian mission, crashed in the side of a mountain. So what do you want to know about Ron Brown? 
Would you want to know about can Ron I, can, Brown? Can, can you One name out of all of the list. No, no, no. We're no, having a conversation. I'm sorry. I'm the host. You invite yeah. me to your podcast. You get to ask the question. I'm, I'm, I'm the host. I'm going to ask you the question. You haven't let me answer the question. I didn't see Your reaction is already an answer. I know. I am infuriated by people who understand why you would be. Who are powerless. You're not powerless. Hillary Clinton is powerless. No, these people. Hillary Clinton is powerless. These people. That's the problem. These people. Hillary's the problem. You read a list of people because you have the power to do it. People who do that are bullies, and I don't appreciate bullies. I have the power to do what? You do. To read to a list what? of some strangers' names. I have strangers the power to names. use the DOJ and other things to control That's and hide That's not things. DOJ. Yeah. DOJ me, didn't make this let list. Let me finish up some my question. Some jackass made a list in his basement. You have the right You're to answer. You're reading their names as if they're incriminating you in some way. You have the right to That's answer. That's bullying, and you I don't appreciate And I, I stand up against bullies. Please do so. He hasn't even asked the question yet, He's reading Anthony. a list, and he's refused. And now he says, let's move on. No, no. Because I sketch your answer Nobody has said move on. He hasn't even asked the question. I don't even know the question Pick a name. I'm going to ask you a question. Reading a, and you get a to list of people who probably, not answer. And there are some of those people that had military Dude. titles in front of them, exactly. and you're dragging their that's name. Even the point. You're dragging their name that's through even the, the point. You should be ashamed because of yourself. Because their families would want to know. Because you've got a podcast. Some of their you families would want to know. Some conspiracy theory podcast, uh, uh, some conspiracy theory oh, that nine people read. You. you find some guy that comes in, and then you buddy. go you go from Ron Brown to some obscure. Okay, wait. So wait. here's the question for you. There you go. Because millions of people are not convinced. Hillary Clinton is again a good with the other people, millions including of people. myself. If you want to do yeah, that, yeah, I'm put, not a. Put the questions I'm not in your worried own. about. Don't to try to make it about some bozo so, who put up a website. Put so in your own words. Here's a question for you guys. It's a very it, simple it, it, question it, for you. So, how is it when you think about other candidates? Okay, everybody has a stereotype. You have a reputation, whether you like it or not. This is great. What's your reputation? Your reputation is you like to text underage girls, and you like to talk to girls, and you sex sending pictures of your dangling. That's your reputation. Whatever you do, you can't do anything about it. Adam has a reputation. Adam is a playboy in Miami. You better get back to that list of strangers oh, you read a list me, of. I'm getting back to it. Tom's got a reputation. His reputation is a man who And right loves now your reputation is listing strangers and, and I, who served in the I, military and I, dragging their names I have the a dark. reputation to ask tough questions and piss some people like you off. That's and my including reputation. Dead, including dead people who I'm going to stand oh, up for. Oh, trust me. We are standing up for them more than you are standing let's say, up for them. Let's see. You better get my back to that list. Because we're gonna By the way, this is the same exact way that they, they, they that anybody poo-poos you about asking deeper questions about things like 9-11. How dare you? How, as if we're saying that the dead are not dead. But I mean, you know, most people are saying, I think that there is something more to the reason why these people died and that there is uh, some serious questions that should be answered. Serious questions that should be answered because if, if justice was not served, and I don't know how anybody can say that justice for 9-11 was served by going out and murdering millions more people around the world for wars that had no aim or objective that are that now we are fighting new wars on the backs of all the collateral damage that we cause in the in the uh, in the way um it's just um these are the types of things that we're shamed with for for asking unsavory irresponsible questions clear some people's my names today my question for you is my question for you is how is it that in the last 50 years we don't have a single candidate Everybody has their own. Hey, John F. K. was a playboy with Marilyn Monroe. Trump, Karen McDougal, Stormy Daniels. You know, George Bush linked to 9-11 and weapons of mass destruction. Bill Clinton linked to Arkansas women, all this others. Everybody has a reputation. How is it that the reputation that follows them as people close to them die? Why right. is that a story that people, many people believe in? Why is how, that? Are the Clintons in their 70s yet? 
If I, you don't think I can make a list of other people in the 30s who are and 40s years old and say this person died, that person died, this person died. Hold on. How come they haven't done that with Bush? He's on the same. same. And, and, the, and the, the stupid thing about that is to say, who cares if they are 70 or if they're 90? The people around them are being shot. They're being stabbed. In their prime. They're in their prime. They're being dist- uh, Yeah, this is. It's the mist- It's the nature of the deaths, and it's the volume. That's how you know it's true, just by the, the things he's choosing to, like, argue back with. It, and the fact he's just going to one person in specific, well, Ron Brown that died in the plane crash, that obviously, okay, he didn't get shot three times in the back of the head, so it's easy to say, oh, well, he was just in a plane crash. They hacked his fucking plane. Ah, come on. Oh, I don't know. I, they did. I, no, no, no I, I'm, just, I'm just saying, I don't know. I don't know. I just that's that's enough for me. That is enough for me. Okay, I have a really interesting thing I'd like to end with. This um I have a a, a thread I think that you'd like, Matt. It has to do with ancient Greece. And there are two names I know I I, I was I was doing good with. I really I practice these names so much cuz I I I I want to be able to to speak about foreign stories. I could probably say the name. What is it? Well, we'll get there. It's about it's about the it's about the the reason why a marathon the marathon is exactly twenty six point two one eight nine miles. I used to know why. Okay. Well, you're going to know again tonight. This is from the Cultural Tutor, so it's a little Friday night history for you. Why so specific? The official distance of a marathon. It is a rather strange story, which begins nearly two and a half thousand years ago. We begin in 492 BC. Athens has been stirring up a revolt, a revolution among the Greek cities of Ionia along the western coast of modern-day Turkey, which has been ruled by Persia for 50 years. Darius the Great, the Persian king of kings, ordered an invasion of mainland Greece. The invasion culminated in 490 BC at the battle not far from Athens itself, and thanks to the brilliant leadership of general called, uh, uh, hold on, uh, I think it's Mil Miltiades. If you spell it, I, you really like it's you. S- Miltia, uh, Mil- I had it down. It's M I L T I A D E S. M I L T Miltiades. Miltiades. I think so. We're gonna go with you. I might get in trouble. We're all going to get in trouble now. Despite being outnumbered, the Athenians were victorious against the Persians. Enter a soldier and messenger called. Phidippides. Phidippides. Okay, Phidippides noticed a Persian ship heading for Athens. He feared its intention was to announce a Persian victory and create chaos in the city and seize it. So he ran all the way to Athens and pronounced Nicomen, meaning we are victorious, and died from exhaustion on the spot. Where did the battle take place? Near a town called Marathon. And what was the distance between Marathon and Athens, which uh, with Phidippides had to run? He ran about 25 miles or 40 kilometers. The legend of Phidippides lived on through the centuries, and when the first modern Olympic Games were organized in 1896, they created a new flagship event inspired by his exploits. Runners would race to complete the same journey of 25 miles, and it would be called the Marathon. 
It was an immediate hit, and the marathon was traditionally been held on the final day of the Olympics ever since, not to mention that it spawned an international craze. Marathons were soon being organized all over the world. The first Boston Marathon was, uh, took place in 1897. But there was no official distance, and the length of the race varied from course to course until 1908 during the London Olympics when the organizers settled on a distance of 26 miles before adding 385 yards to make sure competitors finished in front of the royal box. So they wanted to make sure that they all finish in front of where the... Uh, Queen Elizabeth was sitting? Well, I don't mean that. That's, you know... With that, her legs open? No, that's 1908, so I don't know who the, the queen or the king was. but Queen someone, Elizabeth's mother. Okay. Probably. Royal box. Sounds about right. Right there in the box. <laughs> Sitting there with her box. Uh, she, <laughs> she, with her, everybody looking at her box. Uh, this became the most popular distance, and in 1921, the International Amateur Athletic Federation declared that the official length of the marathon would be that used in 1908 London Olympics. 26 miles, 385 yards, or 26.219 miles, or 42.1 95 kilometers as it has remained to this day Pheidippides uh, could never have known when he ran from Marathon to Athens worried for the safety of his city that 2500 years after his death millions of people all over the world would be reenacting his lonely and desperate sprint but such is the strangeness of history how's that? strange indeed history is strange um History is certainly strange, yes. Now, listen, I, um, we're done for the night. I w- actually, I want to get my Super Chats out of the way because I have to talk about something a little bit um, a little bit sad. But C. Blanche, thank you. Witchy Poo and Porpoiseful, I'm releasing. Those are the last of the gold pills on, quite frankly, .tv. Um, I know I didn't go through any of the RFK censorship hearing clips, but we did that in full. A really great deep dive on those this morning on the morning show with Tracy, um, which you can go watch or listen to on RadioInfluence.com, or we are replaying that immediately after this show ends on QuiteFrankly.tv. So if you want to watch a rerun of the morning show, that's going to play first, and then the rest of the weekend roundup will begin on QuiteFrankly.tv. Thank you to all of my... My rumble rants and all my super chats and all that, and I think that is all for tonight. Um, now, I want to just say that uh, there was one less person watching the show tonight, and uh, his name was Father Tom Provenzano. And Father Tom had become a very, very good friend of mine. I don't know what happened. They're just saying, I mean, he was uh, he was preparing for eight o'clock mass, and when the other priest, the pastor of the of the the parish, went to go check up on him. He had already died of a of a heart attack, and he had become a really good friend of mine. And we spoke last on Fourth of July, and I was looking forward to a I was looking forward to a text message from him actually after last night's show on exorcism. I knew I was going to get something, but what I received was a text from a friend with the announcement on Facebook that he had died. And he's a young guy. Um, he wasn't in the best of shape. He usually would. He would actually ask me a couple of times about advice on 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 getting in shape and losing some weight and all that. But still, he's just so young. And he was a good man. He is a good man, who went out of his way to help baptize Aurora. He went out of his way. He watched this show. 
and he helped me to, to, to make that happen just the way that Lauren and I wanted it. And he even addressed Aurora with the proper title of Chicken Nugget when we went to go sit down in our family conference with him and Aurora's godparents. And we just became good friends and he contributed wonderful thoughts to the show, especially just a few weeks ago on the topic of the locality of heaven. And um, I mean, there's just, there's just, there's so much there. Uh, I have that over here. I want to read to you again in just a second, but I'm just going to riff a little bit more. He, um, Father Tom encouraged my attendance at my first Ash Wednesday liturgy in nearly 20 years. My first confession in just as long, 20 years, with him in April, the day before my birthday, which was Palm Sunday this year. Um, he was the man I called to preside over Pam's burial in the cold of December. And he showed up on a very cold day just before Christmas to, to bury Pam during that horrible time. And he was, a, he was just a very big, he had a very big hand in me going back to church. But not a didactic person. He wasn't a severe person or rigid or anything like that. He was just a reliable, relatable, good shepherd that a guy like me needs from time to time. And I'm, I'm really going to miss him because we became good friends and this is just so sudden and crazy and we had just spoken on 4th of July there were there are other things I was working with him on behind the scenes as well but uh, here's the last thing that he wrote he wrote into the show about and it was like I said the locality of heaven we the question for the night was does heaven have locality is it a place is it a dimension is it some place that could be triangulated? And he said this. See, there's a lot he said that night, but this is what he said about this particular topic. He said, In the creed we profess that God created all things visible, that's the earth, and invisible, heaven. St. Augustine wrote that the invisible does not refer to a place, but to the heavenly creatures, angels. The account of the ascension from Acts says Jesus was lifted up on a cloud. The letter to the Hebrews speaks of Jesus passing through a veil into the heavenly tabernacle. I'm sure there are other passages that I'm forgetting. I think it's in one of Peter's letters that leans toward this idea of Jesus passing into what we would call another dimension. John's visions and revelations would be in interpreted either way, I think. The resurrection accounts where uh, the resurrection accounts where Jesus is constantly appearing and disappearing and passing through walls makes me think that we are dealing with some kind of interdimensional travel. Fulton Sheen taught that Jesus passed right into another dimension. But to put it simply, my thought is close to one of your callers who talked about where your show really is and not to eat oysters during the summer. To go back to Augustine, God, in a sense, is heaven. Since God is everywhere, the invisible reality of angels and the blessed souls are joined with him. We cannot see it, but it is all around us. At times, God chooses to tear away the veil to show us what is hidden to our natural eyes. Apparitions of Jesus and the saints are not so much our Lord or the Blessed Mother coming from heaven as God opening the veil for us. And then, of course, he gave me, Frank, two also random comments to close. Raw oysters should be consumed with horseradish, vodka martini up, or an ice-cold beer. And also, thank you for ruining Baker Street for me. 
and that's if you remember that's because i said that baker street is a song that sounds like a bunch of bros would listen to while they wear salmon colored shorts and loafers with no socks on and he he hated that because i don't know you know listen you listen to it you listen to baker street and just i have it, it's ready listen it's a bunch of bros ready on a yacht somewhere with their ray-bans on looking like feds I just think of MacGruber. Wasn't this in MacGruber? No. That's not that song. It's a good song, but I just it just sounds very uh sounds very sounds sounds very snooty to me. Word. And and apparently I ruined that I ruined that for Father Tom. And um anyway, it's just um you know, it's just funny how some people come into your life sometimes and and um and also Sad how they leave sometimes, but I'm. It's a terrible loss. It is a terrible loss, and I'm, I'm pretty broken up about it, just because of, I don't know, but so I'll see when the services are. I'm sure they're going to be soon, and I. Yeah, I would see him too when I went to go do the, uh, service for the church. Like you know, he would uh, actually he opened the door for me last month actually. I'm hey, how you doing? Yeah. I'm telling you, really uh, nice, Aurora. Nice Aurora had a such a private, beautiful baptism because of Father Tom. We had the entire, as you know, because your your cousin was the one who who did it, and we had the entire church to ourselves, and and I don't know, we just had some good talks, and I'm just uh, I'm grateful to have known him, and this is just so horrible to yeah. hear. Yeah, that church itself, within the last three years, two of the priests died. The um, priest that married my sister uh, passed away. Anyway, ladies and gents, that's all I have for you tonight. Um, that's all I have for you this week. Thank you, Matt, for stopping by. Thank you, Francis. Oh, real quick, you know the Fulton Sheen he's talking about? Yeah. You know, that's Charlie Sheen's uncle. Swear R- to God. That, that's-, that's Charlie Sheen's uncle. You're serious? Yeah. I'll look into that. All right, go ahead. I'll look into that. Fulton that's Sheen is Charlie Sheen's uncle. Yep. Wow, that's it's a Martin Sheen, or they're definitely related. He might. I'm pretty sure he's Martin Sheen's older brother, or he's one cousin step away. Or something. He's venerated. He's one yeah, step oh, away. Oh yeah, from, I know. Yeah, I know that. From sainthood. Oh yeah. Well, that's a big fall from grace if that really is the same Sheen lineage. But uh, thank you, thank you, Matt. Thank you, everybody at home, and um, and. Uh, and uh, Father Tom, that's, um, yeah, buon anima. We'll see you guys on Monday, and have yourself a wonderful weekend.
Catch you on the flip side.